I think that we talk a lot about starting the business, but do we talk about how to sustain the business? Do we talk about really how to scale the business in intangible ways? I'd rather be doing this than working in corporate doing it for somebody else. It is so much more fun and fulfilling and gratifying to do this for myself. How's it going guys? Welcome to another episode of Secrets of Silent Success. Today we have the one and only Tana Spencer. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm amazing. How are you? Doing good. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is fantastic. Absolutely. So let's jump into it, right? So founder of My Cole Creative Studios. Mm -hmm. Tell me, how did that, how did that start? Um, well, so I started McColl in 2019 um, after 10 years in corporate America, you know, just kind of grinding it out, paying my dues, doing everything that I needed to do to kind of really learn as much as I could in the game. Um, and I decided at one point, I was like, I feel like, I feel like I've learned all I'm going to learn in this setting, in this environment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I have a unique voice and a unique perspective to offer. So why don't I bet on myself and, and, and kind of, and really get out of this rat race. It yes. was, it was really important for me from a, mental health perspective to also kind of get out of corporate America and give myself some time to breathe. Um, and starting with cold just made sense. I've always been a, a bit of an entrepreneur my whole life. So it just, yeah. it felt like, this, this is the direction we're supposed to be going in, for sure. Gosh, you, with McCold, the taglines you all have is where corporate meets culture. Mm -hmm. Tell me, where did that come from and what are you you know, trying to convey with that message? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's me. That's me in a nutshell. You know, I think I have a ton of corporate experience and it's a world that I felt comfortable in. Um, sure, and sure. I still feel comfortable in it in some settings. Um, but I think what the corporate world is also lacking is that taste of culture, is that true um, texture, that true fabric. Um, and I think that's what I bring. And I think that's what McCall Creative Studios brings. So it's, it's, you're going to get that corporate professionalism whenever you deal with us and we're going to be ready in that capacity. Yep. Um, but you're also going to get a taste of the culture with this as well. You're going to get that authenticity, that realness. Um, and so when those two things come together, yeah, it, it's a, it's a really special combination of, of, of things. So. Yeah, you talk about that realness and that authenticity. I can imagine when you're working with those bigger brands, it may be hard to have that authentic voice, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me, how do you navigate that? You've done stuff with Apple, with Foot Locker, and you really are focusing on culture when you're doing those projects. Yeah. How do you keep that authentic voice? Um, I think that I, I try to stay true to myself, obviously, um, and I try to think about things from a consumer perspective, and I think about things from my own perspective. Sure. I, I, I am the consumer of most of the things that I'm also creating, which yeah. is a great benefit to me, you know, um, having that having that duality, understanding how things have to be done from a corporate side, and, you know, sure, we want to make this for them, but we also have brand messaging that we have to get across. And we sure. also have, you know, certain, you know, metrics and KPIs that we want to hit with, with certain things. So having that understanding, but also being like, 
yeah, but how are people going to feel when they hear your brand messaging and how can we make them understand that? I think that's a special skill to have and it's a bit of an intangible, I think. Um, So I can't necessarily quantify it in some ways, but I'm like, (laughs) I think I just have a knack for being able to um, get those brand messages across while not, you know, sort of negating or or alienating the consumer by being too messagey, by being too brandy, you yeah. know, with it. Um, so there's a there's a fine line, and I think there's some. Um, I mean, I see stuff all the time where I'm like, wow, that is like you know, all sorts of commercials and pieces mm-hmm. of content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like to add my my voice and my perspective to those conversations, and also yeah. be inspired by the work that I see because. It's people are amazing right now, you yes, know. Absolutely, content creators are fantastic. So it's it's fantastic. It's cool. Yeah. So you you talked about the projects from kind of a high level, right? I want to go a little bit more granular, yeah. right? We were talking about one before we start rolling the the Delaware State commercial. Yeah. I know you also have the Foot Locker one. We'll take them one at a time. Let's go yeah. Delaware State first. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that project, and then go a little bit more granular on what you wanted to accomplish and what you want the the, the authenticity that you wanted to show from this uh, HBCU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Foot Locker uh, Dell State project, it was actually, a, uh, Foot Locker was the, the client, mm-hmm. um, and they have a new initiative called LEAD, and it's um, leading economic, I, I can't remember the, the exact <laughs> acronym, but they have, they, have a new ac- they have a new program called LEAD, and it's where they're prioritizing black and brown um, designers and brands to have their stuff in their stores. Yep. So it's a great initiative and one of the brands that they're working with is a brand called Campus Remix. And Campus Remix is one of the few licensed um, uh, HBCU merchandisers. Yep. So he had this fantastic, fant- I mean like I loved his clothes. I saw them yeah. and I was like, well this is fire. And they were like, we want to figure out how to create some content around his stuff. And um, I was working with one of my very good friends at the brand, Latisse Hickson. Um, and she was, she's leading over the project and she reached out to me, um, having worked together on the corporate side at sure, Foot Locker sure. and now just, you know, sort of working together from an agency brand perspective. Um, and she reached out and she was like, we want to figure out how to highlight this new product, but she's a HBCU alum herself. Okay. Um, and she thought this is the perfect time. Let's lean into what's going on with HBCUs. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. we're right around the corner from homecoming season. Yep. Let's let's talk about this. Let's you know, let's tell a story about this. So yep. I was I was ecstatic and I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. So um, she's also a Dell State alum. Okay. Um, uh, we're both from New Jersey, so we have a <laughs> we have this Jersey, this special Jersey connection. Yeah, and we were yeah. talking about all the schools that we could do. We wanted to go to a million schools, but then you also have the parameters of a production. There so you go. gotta things started Think here. Right? You know, things started here, and yeah. then we whittled it down to okay, let's spend a week at Delaware State University. Yep. Um, and we got to work with these fantastic students, mm-hmm. like three amazing students and we also work very closely with the owner of Campus Remix Um, and we spent about a week on school throughout homecoming and we spent several days with each of the students sort of filming their lives and we were really intentional about the students we got because we wanted to show um, the range of the homecoming experience depending Mm -hmm. on what you're involved in. So we got a chance to work with Mr. DSU. He is the face of the student body. He represents, you know, who the male student is for them. And as someone who went to a PWI, uh, I went to American University. Mm-hmm. I, I am a part of a, a black Greek letter org, um, but I, the HBCU experience Different. outside of, you know, visiting Howard occasionally for activities or going to homecoming, 
I didn't necessarily have a perspective on it. I knew mm -hmm. that it was important to the culture and important to us and, sure. you know, in many ways as it's fundamental to who, you know, a lot of black culture um, is. Yeah. However, you know, I wasn't personally connected to it. So sure. I was excited about the opportunity to go. We connected with, you know, with these students. I'm following them around as they're experiencing homecoming. And I, as a director, am just like, whoa like, <laughs> this is amazing and yeah. the spirit of the school the spirit of these students the spirit of the alumni all sure. of it was just like really eye-opening for me i think um and so we had a fantastic time while we were there we had a small sort of skeleton crew with with us yeah. um and we went to everything from the you know the step shows to hmm. um goodness we went to the football games we were at you know smaller events that they were just kind of doing around campus we went yeah. to the parade we yeah. were you know so we did <laughs> quite a bit to really try and you know paint as accurate a picture of their homecoming experience as we could sure, sure. Um, and working closely with the school and the administration as well to make sure that we we got the message across we got across what we wanted to yeah um and again working closely with with Foot Locker and 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 Latisse in particular to make sure that we told the story of her school was really important to me so mm -hmm. I think we we did a good job on that project you did a great it's, job on the project yeah. it's it's one of my favorites it's, yeah. it really is those kids really had an impact on me um it was beautifully shot as well, which we'll, we'll talk about the crew and, and the crew side. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's the yeah. he's my man. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, but it was just it was really great to I'm 10, a little bit more than 10 years removed from college, you sure, know, sure, sure. so it was it was cool to kind of go back on a college campus and feel that energy from the yeah. students, um, feel the excitement. Uh, they were excited to be with us, to see us film them. How mm -hmm, are you guys mm -hmm. doing this? And learning about our equipment and learning about how we're going to put this all together. Yeah. One of the students that we were profiling was is a communication student, and she wants to get into film and, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So she was just like, how do we do this? And she took us to their studio on campus, yeah. and she's like, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, yeah. sis, this is amazing. Like, yeah. I wasn't even doing this in college, you yeah, know? Absolutely. I didn't pick up a lot of the on-set experience I have until I, I was in the professional sure. world, you know? Yeah. So it was great to just see the enthusiasm of these, of these young people and the respect that they had and just the... I felt like I was at home. It was great. Yeah. No, it was great. That's awesome. And I bet it was awesome for that communication student to be able to see you in that role as well. Yeah. Did you have any conversations with the student? So or? many conversations. Yeah, what was that So like? many conversations. Just, you know, of, of them saying that it was great to see someone that looks like them doing what I'm doing, doing what they hope to do themselves. Sure, sure. Um, you know, like I said, being Foot Locker was with me on, on campus as we were filming Latisse. So she was able to represent the brand. She was able to represent mm -hmm. the corporation. So they're like, wow, you work for this huge corporation. I go to buy sneakers from Foot Locker yeah. all the time and yeah. you're on my campus doing this. So yeah. it was it was great for me to see her in that light. And then it was awesome for the students to come to me and be like, wait, you own this company? This yeah. is <laughs> all this is you? Like these lights, these people are here, you, you're doing this? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. You can do it too if you want. Like this yeah. is how it works. Um, and and I there was lots of how can I intern for you? How can I do this? <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah. that was also really cool too because for me it just felt like it, it reinforced my purpose a bit. You sure, know, I don't sure. think I necessarily started it with that in mind. Yeah. Um, but I I would be lying if I didn't say representation is so incredibly significant. So I understand what seeing me 
could feel like for someone like them because that's yeah. how I feel when I see other black women or black men in positions that I'm like, I love that. I hope I can do something like that. Yeah, you know? so. yeah. Yeah, you have a quote when you talk about as a black woman, it's very few of you all on set. I'm on set a lot too. There's not very many black yeah. women. Yeah. I just completed a project for the Texas Women's Foundation and it was my goal to get a black woman director for that project. I'll yeah. produce it, but I'm not touching the directing of that project. Mm -hmm. I want a black woman to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, what has your experience been like on sets as the only black woman? Um, it's, it's, I've had good experiences on set, I, sure. I'll say. I've, I've been put in positions where I, my opinion is trusted, valued, okay. and needed. Sure. Um, and I also am a big believer, like I said, in paying my dues. So I feel like I'm also, I deserve to be here. And I know what I'm talking about. So yeah, yeah. you're going to have to listen to me at some point. Sure, you know? sure. Um, so there's that. I will say I've also experienced some of the sexism that comes with being on set. Hmm. And not necessarily the racism of it. Not the, you're a black woman, so whatever. Yeah. I just experienced it you're a woman here and this is a guy's, you know, mm -hmm. we, we got this. We know how to run the cameras and do the thing. I don't, that's fine. Yeah. You, you, but you don't have this, you know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure, um, And so I will occasionally experience the, um, I'll just be looked over and it'll mm -hmm. be like, I know you're important, but can I get his opinion real quick? Do you think that's what we should do? You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and at first it happened and I was sort of taken aback because it just doesn't happen to me very often, sure, you know? Sure, and sure. I've, like I said, when I am on set, I've been in positions of power. Yeah. They're my sets. Yep. If someone else is bringing me onto their set, I'm typically in a position where I'm being listened to by other people or mm -hmm. I'm able to delegate tasks, mm -hmm. which is something that I've just worked really hard to be able to do. Sure. So sure. my experiences are, for the most part, on par with what I expect them to be. Gotcha. When I have to G-check somebody, I do, and <laughs> that's not a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Understood, understood. So not only are you a black woman, you're a queer black woman, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about representation, whether it's filmmaking, entrepreneur, what is your experience and your ideas around having equitable representation for all groups? Yeah, I mean, I think representation is wildly important. I think it's something that um, without, I don't think I would be where I am sure. at all. You know what I mean? Um, I think as a black woman, I take a lot of, I take a lot of pride in, in being, um, uh, visible on set, right? Like just literally seeing my face, seeing my skin tone on set is significant. And then I think when you add in the fact that I'm also a queer black woman, it's another, it's another notch that people are like, well, hold on now, what's this? And it's another perspective that I take a lot of pride in. Um, I think that my work is reflective of all of me, of all mm -hmm. of the different parts of me. Um, and how it's represented is sometimes different because, sure. you know, we all, we all represent parts of ourselves differently. But I recognize that me existing as a, as a very openly black queer woman, being on sets, being in corporate offices, not hiding any of myself, uh, puts myself in better positions and puts women who are like me in similar positions. So I take a lot of pride in it. I think it's important that people know, people see me, people feel represented um, because I feel so represented by so many other people. Um, 
and it's something that I talk with my fiance about often. Like we're two queer black women working in corporate, working alongside corporate. Um, and we have a perspective that is often not heard, not represented. So it's important for us to be visible, to be vocal, because you have to understand that the more perspectives you have, the more realistic um, and the more authentic anything you're doing is going to be. So I try to lean into it. Um, I don't try to let anything overshadow anything. I'm not I'm speaking with someone recently, and um, it's funny because it's like the moment they're like, they try. They sometimes try to box you in. Like, okay, you can make all of our black content. Well, yeah. now hold on. Yes. Because I can make. I can do this for anybody. You yep. can make all of our gay content or all of our queer content. Yeah. Hold on. Whole. You know. So yeah. I don't like to be pigeonholed into into. I can only do one thing. Yep. I use it as my experiences and my perspective is useful for everything. Mm. I can apply this to everything to give you more than what you're getting from your very single, narrow-minded yep. you know, point of view. So I, I have to lean into it to apply it to everything that I do so that it can be, um, that I can present my clients, myself, whatever, with the most authentic piece of, of creative as I can offer. Yeah, and, and I mean, you talked about building diverse teams, black mm. and brown teams, and I think a lot of times we get pigeonholed into, hey, you make black films, and sometimes, unfortunately, I go to film festivals all the time, we pigeonhole ourselves, Yeah, yeah. right? Uh, so I think it's interesting you talked about building those diverse teams, because I believe, I try to do the same thing, build yeah. as diverse team as possible, because like you said, you can tell the most authentic story because you have all of these right. perspectives. And hey, like we said, that line moves. That line, right? if hey, well, okay, you have the most commonality to this subject. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you were the PA, what's right. your thoughts and what ideas What are your thoughts on, on this? And how can, I, how can I learn from that? Because yep. you have a different perspective. Yep. The title does not matter. You are a person with a perspective at the end of the day. You yep. know what I mean? So that that is really significant. And, and like we were saying, just not being boxed in. I think that is something that I, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm just like, just allow me to be. I need, yeah. I need to be able to fluidly move through all of my identities because I am not one single thing. I have so many things that represent who I am. Yeah. And they're changing. Um, and they're the changing. Time. They they're change the constantly. Yeah. And, and the thing that feels like uh, represents me the most changes as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. do, am I leaning into like, my womanhood and all women, everything. Am I leaning into my blackness and, mm -hmm. and this matters there? Am I leaning into my queerness and this is important for this part of my identity? Mm -hmm. All of those things make up who I am. I can fluidly move through them and, and sort of um, take bits and pieces and apply it to whatever I want to give the most realistic, um, you know, representation of who I am or what we want to represent, you know? Absolutely. I would ask you taking the the filmmaker creative hat off for a little bit and putting mm -hmm. an entrepreneur hat on, right? Yeah. I remember at the beginning you talked about you felt like an entrepreneur your whole life, right? Yeah. And your mother had that entrepreneurial gene as well with the fourth wall theater. Tell me about the fact that, hey, I feel like I've always been an entrepreneur and, you know, has mom gave you some, some tips and tricks yeah. here and there? How is that going? I mean, my mom is my biggest inspiration without a doubt. Um, so much of who I am is really 
it's almost scary how much is, is <laughs> it is her and because of her. Yeah. Um, being able to see my mom balance the the her creative pursuits and you know her corporate job was something that I witnessed and really took note of because I was like, oh, I can do that. And I did sure. that later in life when yeah. I you know got my first job at MTV and then I was writing scripts on the side. I always knew that. I can do both of these things. I can have this job and climb the corporate ladder. And then when I leave work, I can go work on my script and yeah. I can, you know, make my other dreams come true. Yeah. Um, so I was, I always witnessed her doing that and I was all, I loved it. Yeah. And I always admired her. Um, she, she was committed to her creative pursuit. She never mm. let it. I, I, and I think that's something that happens to us all too often is like, you feel like you can't, I don't have time. I can't work this job and own a business or make yeah. my dream come true. And yeah. I'm just like, I've seen, I've seen my mom do it. I 100%, you have to give up certain things. You do have to sacrifice, sure. you know? Um, but I've always admired those sacrifices. I've always been like, you've been a, a great present parent, but you've also pursued your dreams. Yeah. And so as someone who's growing up, about to get married, wants to have kids one day, yeah. I'm like, okay, this is good. I know that I can do those things. I know that I can have a family and I can also continue to, to be a creative and run my business. Yeah. Um, I learned all of that you know, from her. So that's- yeah. Shout uh, out I, to mom. Shout out to mom. She's, <laughs> she's special. Shout she's out special. to mom. Mm -hmm. So we talked about those experiences as a black woman on set, but you're also a black woman entrepreneur, which is a totally different ballgame, whether you're talking about dealing with clients, you're yeah. talking about getting funding. What has your experience been like as a black woman entrepreneur? Um, I think I am I am still growing, growing and, and learning what it is like to be a, an entrepreneur. Um, I think as I'm in this stage of really trying to scale my business and really yeah. being intentional and um, really trying to do and go in the right direction with things, I'm learning and I'm experiencing more of those challenges. I think yeah. my biggest challenge now is, is the idea of capital, is the idea of mm. having the money to do all of the ideas, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I don't think we talk about that enough. I think, I think that we talk a lot about starting the business, but do we talk about how to sustain the business? Do yeah. we talk about, um, really how to scale the business in intangible ways. I yeah. think we see a lot on Instagram and that's cool, but nobody is talking about the back end stuff. How are we setting up systems? How are we setting up processes? Mm -hmm. How are we uh, making sure that the bills are paid? How can I keep you on this team because you're a, a valued employee yeah. um, and give you a good salary or give you a good rate while also having to figure out how to bring in new clientele and yep. how to do lead generation and things yep. like that. So that's the world that I'm, that I live in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, I'm laughing in irony, you know, cause I'm like, this is the non-creative least sexy stuff yeah. um, that doesn't go on Instagram. And, and that's the world that I'm currently living in, you yeah. know, of, yeah. it's, you know how it goes. So, so let's, let's talk about that. That is not in the show notes whatsoever, but you brought it up, so let's talk about it. Let's talk right? about it. When it comes to, you said funding. You said nobody talks about funding, so we're gonna talk about funding, right? When you say funding, are you thinking about from a macro perspective in terms of funding the entire company, or are you talking about from a micro perspective funding projects? So I know- Macro, for, very, macro. funding the company. I think, and, and 
so from an agency perspective, right, yep. we get paid. How, how our company is set up is we have verticals, right? We have our agency vertical, and that's where most of the business is happening right sure. now. That's where we get our biggest um, income, our biggest revenue. Yep. Um, and then we have an in-house portion of the company, which is where we create our own original content. Sure. Um, and then we're starting a new vertical called, called the Community Engagement Franchise, which is where we'll prioritize more community-focused projects, awesome. giving back to those around us. Yep. So. Uh, a very big focus right now is on the agency aspect, and that is working with clients, that mm -hmm. is being given specific projects yep. and specific budgets to do their vision, <laughs> to create what they want, yeah, yes. and then we take a percentage of that, yep. and that is to sustain the company, to pay me, to pay the employees, yep. that, that, that. Okay. So there's that. Yep. Um, and that's only so sustainable. Mm -hmm. And then you also, I also find myself in the business of, I create for everyone else, but I'm not creating Get for, for myself. Amen. And so you find, you know, you, you know what I mean? So I spend, and because you want to always produce the best work for the client, yep. I am, I am zoned in. We're, and yep. I, I don't like to be, I don't want to work on five projects at once. I okay. want to focus on this project for this season. Okay. Um, and that, that gives me a lot of, I'm really able to, to, to dive into projects in that way. Yep. Um, but that also means that this is, this is one check. Yes. Okay? Yep. It's, it's a nice check. Yep. Yes. This is one check. Yep. And then we have to wait for the next one, and, or you have to actively go and pursue it. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're talking about lead generation, yep. and that's going to take time, that's going to take money, that's going to take effort, yep. while you also are trying to grow the rest of your business. So yep. it's tough. And mm -hmm. this isn't this isn't something that's specific to me being a black woman entrepreneur. You know, this is these are entrepreneur. entrepreneurial yes, pains yes. that everyone. How do you get experience. more work on your desk while you're working on the work on your desk? Right. Yes. How do I do that? Because I, yes. I got to be here, but I also have to, be, to here. be here. Yes. Um, so I don't know. It's a challenge, and it's cool because my my fiance is also an entrepreneur, so awesome. it's great. So we can talk about this together, <laughs> and we're <laughs> like, yeah. so this is what you're experiencing in your season, and yeah. I'm like, man, okay, cool. So I got it. Let me. What did what did you have to? You did what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, yeah. so there's stuff like that, um, which is really helpful. So I, I really appreciate that. And you always, I, I just always try to tap into as many creative friends as I can. Sure, sure. Taking the leap into entrepreneurship was because I saw so many of my peers doing it. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. how are you paying your rent? You do not have to work like I work. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm just taking notes. And I'm like, okay, it's possible. It's, I can do that. Yeah. Um, so I know that we're all going through it. I know that it's something that we'll get through, but it is a challenge right now. Just scaling, growing, yep. money, <laughs> the usual, yeah. the usual. But I love it. It's fun. I'd rather be doing this than the alternative, corporate. The alternative, than working corporate, doing yeah. it for somebody else. Yeah. It is so much more fun and fulfilling and gratifying life. to do this for myself, um, to think about having a legacy, to leave my family, my kids one day. Yep you know, something that, something that means something. So I'll always, do, I, I would always rather be doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about those verticals really quick. We'll talk about the agency ones first. You say, hey, that's how you're paying the bills right now. Right. One thing I want to talk about is the transition. So you worked in corporate Foot Locker and now Foot Locker is one of your clients that's an entrepreneur. Tell me a little bit about that transition. Um, right. So it was, it was a really good transition, I'll say. Um, I think at that point in my career, this was, this was late 2019, um, I had learned a lot and I was kind of 
on the agency side of the, let's say within the company, we're kind of like our own in-house agency. Um, and so we were working on a lot of, a lot of the creative products, excuse me, a lot of the creative direction for the products that were coming out. Yep. Um, and that's what I was tasked with on, on the corporate side. I was doing a lot of what I'm doing now. Yep. Um, and I, I, I had to take a step back for a moment because I felt like I was really, I was working a lot. And it's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's the nature of the game. It's yeah, the nature yeah, of the yeah, business, yeah. especially um, content and content creation. Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's, it's never always enough. on, you always, know? Yeah. Um, and so I was working a lot and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out something. I gotta figure out how to pivot because this isn't completely conducive to my mental health anymore, sure, sure, you know? Sure. Um, but I love what I'm doing and I love the people that I'm with. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think after working with so many agencies from the corporate side, I've also picked up a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so being at Foot Locker, being at MTV before then and having a chance to see and learn so much from, yeah. from that side, I had a better understanding of what it was like being an agency and yeah. what I was willing to deal with and what I wasn't willing, willing to deal with. Sure, sure. Um, and so I talked to all the people that were closest to me. I talked to mentors of mine. Um, and I was like, I'm thinking I want to leave. How do I do this in a way that is going to feel uh, sustainable? That's mm -hmm. also, I'm, 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 I'm the type of person that like really needs stability. I need okay. to know that I can pay my bills. That's I not need entrepreneurship. To that is not entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. And the way my anxiety is set up, you would think I would have thought about that beforehand. But yeah. um, I, I knew I needed that, that stability in, in the long run. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, how can I do this? I've learned a lot. I've peeped a lot. I got to bring it all together. So yeah. I, you know, I was able to go to them and, and sort of very reasonably tell them what was what was happening with me and what I wanted to do. Um, and because I had such a great relationship with everyone, it was kind of like, we don't have to stop working together. Mm. I just have to stop working here. Okay. You okay. know, how can we how can we continue this? You guys can hire me. I can continue doing what I'm doing because mm -hmm. a lot of what I was doing on their side was a, I was a producer. Yeah. Come up with the idea, hire the crew, yep. do the thing, blah, blah, blah. Just 1099 instead of W-2. Absolutely. That's it, yeah, yeah. I know all these people. These were my contacts anyway. Yeah, yeah. I can do this. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, like some people say they, they have an intention when they start. I didn't have my, I didn't have a complete, I'm going to build an agency company and I want to do, I didn't even know that it was going to be called an agency or I didn't, was going to do agency things. I just knew I was going to have clients. Okay. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like, it wasn't as thought out as maybe it is for some people. I just sure. knew that I had to make a change, but that I also had to continue to pay my bills. So let's think fast yeah. and let's think efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what led us there. And I was able to, like I said, leverage the, the working relationship that I had with them, leverage the good work that I was doing as an employee yep. um, to be like, hey, let's continue this, but from a different, from a different angle. Yeah. Um, and I know who I need to talk to. I know how corporate works. I know who the players are. Yeah. I can I can take this formula yeah. and and replicate that. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what I've been able to do to leverage a lot of the relationships that I've had in corporate, yeah. working with friends, working with you know peers, um, who've been able to see my work throughout the years and really have like leaned into believing in me and what what my company is capable of doing. So yeah. we've had some success there. Awesome, awesome. 
A couple of things. Uh, you talked about the agency side, right? That's how you're paying the bills. I would ask you, what advice do you have for another potential creative agency that's in video production, film work, in two fronts, right? The first front is, how can they find clients of your status? You got Gymshark, Apple, Foot Locker, right? How are they gonna be able to get relationships to be able to get clients of that status, number one? And then number two, you talk about shooting projects on, on Aries. How do you get the budget to be able to facilitate bringing your creative ideas to life? Because as you say, hey, you can have all the creative ideas. If you don't have the resources to bring it to life, then it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. That would be kind of my two-part question. I mean, I think proof of concept is really important. Um, I, like I said, you're going to leverage what you can leverage. Whatever resources that you have, whether you know it's a resource or not, that's, sure. that's one of the first things is being able to identify what's a resources and what, what you can use to your advantage. For me, my resources were living in New York for the last 10 or so mm -hmm, years mm -hmm. and building up a, a very vast network of friends. Yep. Um, and then also having that, that corporate knowledge, again, of just kind of how, how it works. So I would say for creatives that are, that are coming up, there, there are several ways you can do it because you don't have to be the agency that works with the huge clients mm -hmm. and, and gets those huge budgets. There are lots of smaller agencies who perhaps work with more local businesses, um, do things of a, a fantastic scale, yep. but the budgets are a bit smaller, but you're able to do more of them because they're local mm -hmm. and the budgets aren't as big. So you're making great money by doing smaller productions for local companies. That is, that is completely a way to go. And it's actually something that I've started talking about doing yeah. more of because yeah. I'm like, these huge clients are great, but sometimes I do just want to do smaller projects. Mm -hmm. um, now in terms of getting the budgets for some of those bigger projects, that I think has come from proof of concept and that has come from years of proving that I know what to do with the money. Sure. Um, so I don't think that that's something that can come easily mm -hmm. all the time unless you are connected and you got a plug. Congrats. Because yeah. if you have a plug, then like <laughs> yeah. take advantage of it. Sure. But also make sure that your work is of quality because I have seen people who are well connected mm -hmm. and not particularly talented. And that is always going to shine through because if you don't know what you're doing with $5,000, you're not going to know what you were doing with $50,000. Sure, sure. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter. So yeah. you always have to know what you're doing. That you need to learn, you need to be a PA, you need mm -hmm. to be a gaffer, you need to do all the things so that you can come to the table with experience that is valued, that is actionable that we can be like, no, this person knows what they're talking about. Sure, sure. And I think I've, I've, I've done that. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy learning. I enjoy being at the bottom of the totem pole, seeing what everyone is doing because that's how I learned. Sure, you know what sure, I mean? Like right. I, I like my sets to be comfortable. I stress that I, on all <laughs> of my sets and I don't, it's not pretentious. We are here to make the best possible piece of art you know, that, that we can, and we all need no egos to do that. So yeah. if you could go pick up the trash, and yeah. then also if you could stand behind the camera and let's get this framing correctly, that would be great. So that we can just get the job done, sure, you know? Sure. I respect everybody's position and everybody's level, but yeah. let's, Let's yeah. be real. The line moves. Yeah. They're talking about below the line, below the line. Hey, if my line needs to move and they need to go know? pick up lunch, I'm going to go pick up lunch. If I need to pick up the line, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I, that's who I am as yeah. a, as a, um, as a producer, as a director, as an yeah. executive producer, I am a team player. I am go. always going to do whatever I need to do to get the job done. I don't, it does not matter what my title is on this production. Yeah. Um, I think I also learned that from my mom too. She's yeah. just, let's, 
Let's get it let's done. Let's get it done. Let's get know? it done. So. Absolutely. And then for a second, let's talk about the second vertical, mm -hmm. right? You're talking about creating your own content, your mm -hmm. own IP. What steps are you taking to make that come to fruition? Goodness, it's a lot of ideating. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of just sort of working to... And it's something that we're still developing, right? Sure, of so on the back end, it's trying to figure out what voice we want to represent. Mm -hmm. um, I love to say that McCall Creative Studios will eventually be like the Black A24. Yeah. Um, I take a lot of inspiration from Issa Rae and her production <laughs> company, and yeah. you know the different verticals that she has and what she's been able to build. I, I, I absolutely love and adore what she's done, um, and I take a lot of inspiration from it. Um, so I, I definitely hope to be able to continue to tell stories in different mediums, mainly photo and video, yeah. um, but creating a distinct narrative voice for us so that when you see something, you're like, this looks like something yeah. McCall might have done. This is, okay, yeah. I love yeah. this. The Spike oh, Lee, yeah. you know a Spike Lee fan when you turn oh, it on. I've seen you goodness. had a picture with Spike Lee. But yeah, you turn it on, you know it. Yeah, you, know, did that. you know when you see a Spike Lee film. Yeah, you you know that. when you see a Spike Lee shot. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what it. I mean? You know um, and so to create that kind of signature look, um, and, and tone and feel is something that takes, I, I absolutely think it takes years to do yeah. and it takes some, some real practice, but it's something that I hope will, will be synonymous with my brand one day and me for sure. So one thing, that I want, one thing I want to talk about is sourcing a crew, yeah. right? Because I feel that there is a, a little bit of a disconnect through video making and filmmaking. At least that's how I categorize it. Mm -hmm. With video making, you can run a gun on your gimbal all day. Filmmaking, you need somebody to be the gaffer. You need a sound recordist, right? You need somebody to do set design. And I have struggled to find individuals in their niche, mm -hmm. right? And I've really struggled to find black individuals mm -hmm. in their niche. Mm -hmm. Tell me what has your experience been like sourcing your crews? Yeah, I, I will say one of the things that I take greatest priority in is making sure that my film crews are mainly black and brown. Yes. I try to do that as often as I can. I seek it out intentionally. Yes. Yes. Um, and when I can't, okay, that's fine. I'm yeah. always going to go for the best person for the job. Of course. Um, but I make it a priority to have people that look like me on my sets. Um, so there's that. Now in terms of sourcing my crew, again, a lot of it comes, I think especially for film and, and video, and photo, it's a lot of referrals. Like mm -hmm. I rely on my network of friends a lot. Yeah. Um, I think early on in my career, um, you know, I was working with photographers that I just knew people that I'm like, I know you have a camera. Yeah. And your photos are pretty good. So this is early on. It was kind of <laughs> just like, yeah. So can you do this thing? And then they turned out to be amazing. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. And then it's like, okay, great, let's let's keep doing this. Like my 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 good homie Mark C, like we it was it started out with just he was photographing some events that I was going to, and I'm like, yo, hey, so I got this new job at Foot Locker, okay. and I have my first project, and I have to do a campaign, and you're yeah. like the best person I know with a camera. Yep. Come on, let's go, let's do this. And it was like, you know, me, him, a photo assistant, and the wardrobe stylist running around New York. And it yeah. was very small, very skeleton, and that's yeah. all we needed, you know? Um, and a lot of it was referrals, like I was saying. And so as the sets get bigger, as the projects get bigger, you continue to work with people who are, are doing those things. Yep, yep. Um, and then you get referrals. And then me, I am a stalker online, okay? <laughs> As a producer, I take great pride in finding out who people are 
and and getting into their work. So yeah. um, if you look at my Instagram, I have lists saved. These are my colorists. These are my gaffers. These are my producers. These are my Houston producers. These are my New York producers. These are my LA producers. These are and these are just people that I have not worked with, but I'm finding them because of different hash, not even really hashtags, but people I follow their work. People love to put the credits in. I'm looking at those credits. This this video is amazing. Who's your colorist? This video is fantastic. Who's your gaffer? Who's your DP? Who you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I when I, I work with so many people, and I'm always like, do you have someone that you know does this? Do you mm -hmm. have a digitech that does that? Yeah. Um, and because a lot of the people that I work with are black and brown, they're often able to refer me to other black and brown people because yes. they're like, there was only two of us on set, yeah. so I got my man's number, you know? Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. cool. <laughs> who is he? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of that, um, lots of referrals. And then also Facebook is an amazing resource. Yeah. I spoke with someone recently who was looking to do a project in Dallas. Yeah. And I was like, man, my network in Dallas is not, I don't know that many people, yeah. but if I were you, the first thing I would do is, is look for a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. um, in New York, I, I use this Facebook group called Local Zero Heroes. Hmm. Um, and it's a Facebook group for production people, yeah. union and non-union. And you can go on that Facebook group and you can post in there, ISO in search of a gaffer. Here's the day rate, here's the project, is anyone hmm. available? Yeah. A slew of responses and you're going to get a range of talent, talent you yes, know? Yes. And then you have to vet that talent out. But I have, I have found tons of people through Facebook groups. Um, and you typically just search like the location, mm -hmm. production crews, Houston production crews, Houston yep. film something, yep. Dallas film, whatever. Find the groups that have the most members, be a part of the group, see what the postings look like. Is it active? Is this a good you know, way to find people? Utilize that. Utilize social media. Um, find the photographers that you like working with and see who they've listed in the credits mm -hmm. for their work. They're mm -hmm. typically going to list it because everybody else is trying to get work. Chances are most of the people in the credits are freelance and they're yep. actively looking for work. So you just have to reach out to people, you know yep. what I mean? And there's a number of people who are willing to do things for the low. There are some people who are like, I have representation and you can talk to them and, you, yep. and that's fine. Yep. You yep. can do that too. But it's it's not as hard as you might think you just have to you got to be a little internet creep yeah <laughs> and you have to and you have to you know kind of go out of your way and talk to people and do you know someone yeah. do you you know not about the networking it is. La last producerist question right so i'm not sure you talk about being a director i'm sure you've done ep producing probably even some line producing along the line Tons. so let me ask you this big client comes to give you $50,000 for this project, right? Where do you start to make sure that it's on budget and you give the client what they want, right? So we think about yeah. an agency project. How do right. you how do you divvy that up? Um, so I'll first always establish what, what are my deliverables, right? What are the final things that I have to get to give yep. to you? Um, and then let's make sure we establish the quality of what this is. And then mm. we're establishing the quality primarily based off of your budget. That's going to dictate how big we're going, how small we're going, yep. what we need to put most of this money towards. Are we putting it towards production costs or are we going to spend more money on post-production and really, you know, do something there? Um, so once we kind of nail those things down with the client and we have a clear understanding of, of what we're doing, then I'll go out to my crew. Um, and I, I am a notion 
addict. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. it, uh, but we had the notion back in, and that is how I keep my productions together, how okay. I keep everything in line. Um, so we'll start a new, you know, notion template for the production, and it's like, all right, what's what's our biggest priority? What's the thing that I need the most? Um, and if it's video or if it's photo, depending on that, yeah. the first thing I'm going to do is get my shooter. Do yep. I need my photographer? Do I need my whatever, uh, or photographer? Um, if I'm if I need a DP, um, there's a great chance that I'm going to need a gaffer, yep. and there's a great chance that my ga my DP already has a gaffer that they like to work, work with. with. So yeah. now I'm now I'm just building the pieces to the puzzle, yeah. and I'm determining you know with alongside with my creative you know DP how do we how do we execute the vision for this? Like, what do we need to do? Mm -hmm. um, and then that becomes a bit more granular conversation. Oh, okay, well, to get this, that type of shot to do that, we're gonna need this kind of camera. Mm -hmm. And so that means we're gonna need this. Uh, we're going to need a really great gaffer because we gotta get the lights to do this. You know, yeah. so it, yeah, it yeah. really depends on um, what, we're, what we're ultimately delivering in the end. And that's going to determine who we have to hire, yep what type of space we're going to get, what post-production looks like. Yeah. Um, so from an agency side, the numbers determine quite a bit. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Unless it's a project that we're just like, no, we're going to, maybe we're going to lose a little bit of money to mm -hmm. do this project. Perhaps, perhaps yeah, that we happens. are. That, yeah, that's, that's, absolutely that happens. happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like and last week. I'm scared. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, sometimes happens. you just chalk it up to the game and yeah, like, I'm okay. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in like good things come around to good people yeah. and I'll always help somebody out for the low for free if I just feel like this is useful for you because you're going to learn something I'm going to learn something yeah. I, I'm 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 very big on that so you know you win some, you lose some. You yeah. definitely try and win more than you, you lose. lose. Yeah, that's business. Uh, you know, but we're also we're hoping to learn no matter the experience. You know, Absolutely. so there's that too. Gotcha, gotcha. You have a. We're gonna bring it back to the general audience now. Okay, okay. <laughs> we're gonna take the filmmaking hat off. Yeah. Uh, you had a quote that you talked about. Uh, it's a full circle, mo full circle moment at times when you zoom out and kind of see where you came from to where you are. Yeah. Right. Tell me about that quote and what you meant by it when you say it's a full circle moment. Um, I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm really referring to my my professional life and a bit of my personal life, too. I mean, as I was talking about my mom owning a theater company, I've been a theater production kid my whole life. Yeah. You know, like, I think my very first play, I was probably, maybe I was six or seven years wow. old wow. Um, at the, you know, at the theater. And I spent all of my time there. Me and my mom, the t and and my and my younger sister as well. Yeah, once, yeah. once she grew up a bit, the the lone black family that was running it. You know what mm. I mean? So I I've always had this love for the arts and for theater and musicals and production. And I I you know I grew up a bit. I got really into basketball, and then I kind of did less of the theater stuff. Yeah. But then once I got to college and grew up a bit, I was like, well, I love I still love production and media and you know and, and that world so I just found a different way to kind of bring it into my adulthood and I got more into films instead of the stage aspect sure. um, and so when I'm sitting on a set with all this crazy equipment around me now sometimes I'm like it wasn't until I saw a photo that I'm like look at all this stuff around <laughs> you look at all these people listening to you and taking yeah. your note yeah. like five-year-old Tanny would be like look at you you know so it just yeah. felt like a it's it's often feels like a full circle moment because i'm like i've always i've always been doing this yeah. and 
um, me now being the black woman that's running the set is, is, it was my mom, the black woman that was running the set. So I'm just like, I am, I am your embodiment in so many ways. And so it just, it feels like this was all meant to be in a lot of ways and I don't take it for granted. I just think it's, I think it's really cool that I get to do something that I love. Um, I get to pay my bills, doing something that I love. Yep. Um, and, and make myself really proud and tell stories that mean a lot to me. Making us look good in the masses is really important and fun for me. So yeah. I took a lot of pride in it. Awesome, awesome. So this is called the Secrets of Silence Success Podcast. Mm -hmm. So I would ask you, you Gymshark, Apple, Foot Locker, right? What is your secret to success? I think that my secret to success is consistency um, it's optimism and it is being naively, it is being, I am almost naive to a, to a crazy point. Why can't I do it? Why not? My naivete serves me so well. You know, obviously you want to learn as much as you can, but having, not knowing that I can't do something means that it can't stop me. So I'm going to just keep going until somebody says, Hey, you can't do that. Well, why not? How come? I feel like, I feel like this would be fun. Let's try it out, you know? And that's, that's how I like to live my life. It's, it is, let's, let's give it a go and let's see what happens. So that is my, that's my secret. You have to keep going and you have to believe that you can't fail until someone says that you can't. Because even when you fail, you can just try it again. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? Until someone says, stop doing that, you can't, you should keep going. You should keep going. We'll leave it right there. I'm a fist bump person. Come on, let's go. I appreciate go. you. We're going to do it again sometime. And it's so going to be all producing stuff. Yes, let's talk, let's talk more film. This was amazing. Thank yeah, you so much. I appreciate much. it. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So I appreciate you all for watching this episode of Secrets of Solid Success. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to seeing you on the next one.